0: Hello and welcome to capsule production podcast. Today's episode will be a continuation from our last episode on residency tips. If you have not listened to the first part, I'd recommend you go back and take a listen to some of the great advice that was given. All right, without further ado, welcome back Dr. Comta for part two.
1: To touch upon, um, I know you mentioned this a bit earlier about letter recommendations. How did you go about that? And is that something that they that they also mentioned, like the ASHP timeline, like when to reach out to preceptors? So like when, when did you reach out to your preceptors and how did you go about selecting which uh preceptors or or teachers that you wanted to get a letter of recommendation from?
2: Yeah. Um so again, yeah, that's on the timeline uh about when you should start doing that. And they have a very early recommendation about when to do it. You know, if forecast is opening up in uh November, then You know, if you're on, if you're on the ball, then you'll have them, you'll have them wrapped up by the, you know, uh, as October is coming to a close, which means you ideally, if you're an early bird, you'll start asking for them or at least thinking about them in September. I think that's what's reflected in the ASHP timeline. Okay. And so, you know, again, this is where, where Jeff's master plan kind of falls into place, Mm -hmm. you know, because if you've, if you've been from May all the way up to September, October, getting involved, doing projects, you know, showing your commitment and whatnot, then, you, you know, you've got preceptors who you've been working with intimately who've, you know, seen your work ethic and seen what kind of work you produce. And by that time, we'll, you know, we'll certainly vouch for you and, and write you a letter of recommendation by time it's uh, September, October, uh, as long as you've been been putting in that work. Now, this, um, it throws a wrench in it a little bit, you know, if you're not lucky enough to have your block up front, um and you know, you've you've got some other random rotations leading up to November instead of the more clinical ones. Not to say though that you can't still still, you know, get that letter of wreck in. I would just apply the same principle of Jeff's master plan. You know, come in there with genuine interest and commitment. Tell people what your passions are, your goals are, and just come in there question if you just remember one thing, ask the question of like how can I make this place better? Like, what can I do for you? I'm committed. I'm interested. Like, how can I improve things around here? You know, not even ask, even if they don't have a project to give you, it's like, okay, you know, just what kind of improvements can I make? You know, like what can I do for you and come in there with that mindset and you'll find things to do. You'll, you'll find meaningful paths that you can take on that one will, you know, will end up on your CV and two will, show people enough about you to get, get you a really awesome letter of rec. So that's, that's the timeline in, in looking for those letter of recs. And that's kind of how to build up into getting a good one. And then those will be from your preceptors. Typically the, the format that most places want is two preceptor letters and then one letter from a, uh, from a professor, uh, from the college of pharmacy. Um, and so for that, for that third letter, uh, it's really self-explanatory that it should be a professor who at least knows your name, you know, <laughs> so, you know, someone you at least interact yeah. with well, you know, someone who you've done things with, you know, maybe like extracurricular things like for, um, for me, Joe, you know, that, uh, you know, I was heavily involved in research on campus. So I asked my, uh our research professor to write me that letter of rec and for her to be that professor for me. Um, but I also, me personally, I just had some backup letter of rec. So I had one from, from other people, I had one from uh, another one of our professors at school um, that I could apply to different programs if I thought that that letter of rec was more applicable than you know like my research focused letter of rec. So it was another Oops. professor that I had. What's
1: up? Oh, I was gonna. So you can kind of you can pick which ones because I know you're supposed to upload it to like FarmCast or I guess they'll upload it to FarmCast. But mm-hmm. you, can you pick which ones you send to each to each residency.
2: For sure, yeah. And so this okay. is a good point, actually. Um, I didn't know that. So that that's, that's yeah, I had, um, most places require a max of three. I had just one program that was pretty extra. I wanted four, but I, I collected five, you know, and they can, you can have all those people send them in to forecast. And then at the point when you apply to the program, you select whose letters you want, okay. you know, so for my, so for my ER heavy trauma centers, when I applied, I went full force with all, you know, my, these preceptors who were involved, involved in acute care and stuff and speak to my skills in that. Or, you know, if I applied to a hospital that was like a little more research focused, then I had my letter for my, my research preceptor in there, you know? So I think, um you know, and that's also a benefit to doing this early is that, you know, uh, you can gather a few different letters of rec and tailor things in that manner. So uh, I think that's, Personally, I, I believe that's like a really good idea. Like the max is three, a lot of places, but Hey, like get more if you can. Cause not to mention that it, it invariably happens to a lot of people that, you know, the program deadlines are, you know, January 1st or, or, yeah. or something or, or late December. And it's like Christmas day and they haven't done your letter yet. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it, it invariably happens to a lot of residents every year. So number one, it's, that's why it's a good reason to just do this. Be, be doing this early you know like thinking about it all the way in september but number two that's a good reason to have you know be pursuing more than one letter just in case you know you, you have some backups in there
0: Got yeah it. thank you for that i didn't i didn't really know you could customize it so that's something i'm definitely thank going to remember and get some uh, backup letters as well also i think you may have coined the title for this episode as jeff's master plan i think that yeah is, <laughs> <laughs> i don't know <laughs> But, um, all right. So I know for a lot of people, this is the most nerve wracking thing. So I kind of want to shift it to asking you, what was the match process like for sort of yourself? And then if you can kind of briefly explain it for new listeners or people that are just um, starting out their pharmacy careers that are unfamiliar with the process.
2: Mm. Yeah, I've, um, I've talked to a lot of people about this and I think Joe, me and you have talked about this as well. I kind of take like the uh, spiritual metaphysical approach to it, if you will. Like when you get to these, these interviews um, and you meet the people and you see the hospital and whatnot, like you're, you're going to know whether or not like you can spend a year there or not. Um, And I've, um, I've talked with a lot of people about this and, you know, also with program directors and they agree that there's, when you find a place that you can really fit into, and that you feel like you want to match with there's a certain vibe that you get during that interview you know like you you meet these people and you just you click with these people you know you see the program and it has the things that you want and you see the area and you see the hospital and you're like this is somewhere I can work and live and you just get this vibe like I, I really can't explain it I wish there was something less cheesy that I could say in terms of like how how you know mm-hmm. how you want to rank things but for me for me i i feel like it's something you'll understand when you get there like there'll be certain places where you're like hey this is this is living up to everything that i thought I was going to be like i like this place i like these people please make sure you like the people my god i don't i don't care how great program is if you can't work yeah. with with those people for a year don't do it please mm-hmm. <laughs> please don't do it. yeah i've i've heard some horror stories i did not make that mistake i i love every single one of the the people that i've worked with over this year and it has made things so much easier you know This this year is going to be hard enough just from a work aspect And you don't want that secondary stressor in your life of like oh and i don't get along with the people that i work with yeah so yeah yeah you, there's yeah i don't know how people handle both of those things to be honest but i've heard horror stories um but yeah you're, you're really looking for that vibe and so i i came away with that feeling from a lot of these from a lot of these interviews and then there were a good amount of interviews where I was just like, Oh no, like uh, not going there. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I knew for sure. I, I knew like 15 minutes into the interview that I was like, damn, well this, yeah, this is for
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're yeah. stuck there for the rest of the interview. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you still gotta, five you get, time. yeah. And you still gotta put your best foot forward.
2: Yeah, five more hours to go. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but I just, yeah, I, I have a strong feeling that you'll just know. um, And so that's, what kind of guided me when I was you know ranking things when I was making my list uh number one where did I have that you know that strongest feeling of like I couldn't belong there and then number two did this uh does this have everything professionally to back up uh to back that up you know so like you know for me personally like oh is this trauma center do they have a lot of acute care experiences and whatnot and if those two things were there Okay, we, that's how that's how I said. Okay, this is hospital number one. This is hospital number two, three, and you know how I narrowed it down from there. Um, and then everyone will tell you this, and it's absolutely true. If you have that bad vibe, or if you get that impression that you, this is a hospital that you could not be at, please do not even rank it. Because I I don't that's care. Even even if it's at the bottom of your list, and you guys you have either experienced this or seen this. Uh, apply you know doing your APPE rotation you know even if it's at the bottom if it's number like 48 on that APPE rotation list you know there's somebody out there is like there you've heard a story of somebody out there who gets that who gets that spot you know and maybe they didn't want it so if if it's not something that you know you can do don't even put it on the list
1: got it yeah because I've I've read because I've I've googled that and I've read different things in um on different like pharmacists forums i've read different opinions on both like some people say like hey you know with the match process you don't know where you're going to go some so match only to the ones that you like other ones will be like just list the ones that you think want you the ones that you felt they wanted you the most that way you can at least get in somewhere because it's better to be at a place than not than not be at a place and not have a residency so it's like i hear those both aspects both parties both sides and for me personally i would definitely only rank the ones that I like and that's something that I also did with my rotations like I'm only going to rank the places that I feel versus ranking all 30 something I'm only going to rank you know the 20 or so that I actually like because what if I do get stuck with number 30 like you said on the list and now I'm just here and I don't really want to be here and that might some people are able to hide that but your preceptor might be able to tell that you don't really want to be here that's not an impression that you ever want to leave wherever you're going
2: for sure yeah and that's yeah that's why i kind of like summarize it into one word as just like this general vibe because yeah, that was, that was kind of the two schools of thought when we were applying. It's just like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply to the, the places that I really like and also the places where I think I really nailed that interview or, you know, they really liked me, you know, just one way or the other. But I just kind of summarize that all into like, you know, just one, one positive vibe, you know, because if it's somewhere that you really nailed that interview and you, things really went well, then, you know, hopefully it'd be also be somewhere that you really like. And so, you just have like one general, just good feeling about that place. And that's what I just recommend as your sort of like guide to what to apply for.
1: Got it. And then to go back to the residency process, um, the residency interview, is there anything that you did to prepare for your interviews, like uh, maybe student organizations or something <laughs> HHP had? And then the second part of that question is there anything you would have done differently looking back to help prepare you for a residency interview? So in terms of what I did to
2: prepare, uh, I definitely reviewed those and Z states. I asked uh, a lot of current residents um, where at the, at the site that I was at when, when interviews were going on about like what their experience during rotation during uh, interviews were. And um, this was over at uh, at Advent Health Celebration, and they were they were nice enough to sit me down and you know do some mock interviews with me which is something I highly recommend I had um, when I was, I I knew that I was going to pursue this uh, a little far out. So I mean, in, during my block in, um, in uh, October, like October, November kind of time, I sat down with the director of pharmacy and had him do a mock interview with me. Um, I sat down with the RPD of that site and had her do a mock interview with me, but also look through my CV, uh, which was huge and have her, you know, um help me make edits on that, uh after, you know, she knew what my interests were and how to tailor it to the programs that I was interested in. Uh and then coming up closer to, you know, like just before interviews, once I had ever you know, once I had actually gotten the interview invitation, uh the residents at the site where I was at, currently on rotation at that time, you know, I had them do mock interviews with me. I had the you know, they were nice enough to give me some interview questions that they had remembered um, they were nice enough to, you know, tell me about like some disease states that I should study for in regards to like a clinical exam, that uh presentation I already had in my back pocket. So I just knew, I I, I just made sure I knew that thing front and back mm-hmm. and that I could um, anticipate certain questions that might be asked. Um, you know, if it's something you presented already, you'll be able to anticipate, you know, some questions that you, that you might get asked from that. So not only like knowing all the material in that presentation, but knowing uh, studying some answers for possible questions that you might get out out, out of that, um, and just show the, the presentation to some preceptors if you're not sure, and say, hey, you know, what do you think people might ask me about this? And just have some answers in your back pocket, you know, are like already in your head uh, of you know like oh if someone asked me this about this presentation, you know, I'm gonna know okay because it doesn't look great if you know you give this presentation and you're supposed to know all about this, but then you get stumped by a question during the interview. Doesn't look too great. So I, I did all that to prepare. I I collected a lot of questions about what I wanted to ask during uh, the interview. Uh, like I mentioned before, meaningful questions. You know, things that you um, that you can't just you know get from their website. Please. Uh, again, do not just ask these generic questions that you can just find the answers to on the website or generic questions that you know that everyone asks unless you really don't need, know the answer and you really just want to know. But I can tell you as being part of the interview process that there are certain questions you, you just hear every single interview again and again all day. It just kind of draws you into a lull if you're the person interviewing people. That, you know, you just, you just get tired of these questions sometimes yeah. of answering, you know, you know, what do you do for fun in Sarasota or, you know, like, um, you know, uh, do you like the program or some, something generic like that? So it's, you know, just, uh, take, take, even if it's a few days, take some time to generate some thought provoking questions. When I was interviewing, I, I straight up asked residents like, Hey, what, what do you not like about this program? Cause that's important for me to know and that's not I mean, that's not something too intrusive, that's an honest question and you can learn a lot about places from asking something like that. I ask places, you know, has anyone ever not completed this program? That's an honest question that you deserve to know an answer to as well and that kinda of puts places on the spot and teaches you a lot about this place that you're applying to. Um, so there's two right there of, of things that um you know, that you definitely not gonna find on a website but you really wanna know about the director of pharmacy where I was at gave me what I I think was probably one of the best questions I I had during these interviews is just, he told me, go to these programs and ask them what they do for fun. You you know, you, you can tell a lot, a lot about the the stress level that you're going to be under when you ask that question. And, you know, like the culture behind that hospital, when you when when you just, you know, throw a curveball like that and just say, you know, hey, like, how do you guys have fun around here when you're not working? How do you, Promote morale amongst your team, and if they don't have a good answer to that it's sort of a red it's 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 sort of telling you know uh, about that sort of work environment, so those are things I practice, and in terms of things I think I could have done differently, probably just apply to less places to be honest it's it's
1: uh yeah I, I wanted to get to that because <laughs> I realized we didn't ask this and maybe we, we should access in the beginning. Um, So how many residencies did you apply to?
2: I, damn, I'm like forgetting now. Um, You can give us an estimate, you
1: don't have to be exact.
2: I, um, I applied, okay, yeah, I applied to 11 programs. I got interview offers for 10 and I accepted nine of them. And that uh that tenth that tenth interview that I turned down was just at at that point I had there was I just couldn't fit in another interview, but you know I'm 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 gonna say this it's hard I, I understand it's it's hard for people to accept this but you know uh, apply to a reasonable amount of places I know everyone goes into this where into this with this mindset that you know like I just want to apply to you know some backup places. Or, you know, just a a wide of a widespread of places, you know, just so that I can get an interview. And, you know, people have this mindset that, you know, like, I'm I'm not sure if I'll get an interview. So I'm just going to, you know, just do this shotgun approach and whatnot. I did it, too. So I totally understand. But then you end up with too many interviews, man. (laughs) Um, You know, you have to have some confidence in yourself. I mean, it's it's hard. It's it's like, you know, don't apply to too little. Don't apply to too many. You know, but I would say uh, seven was like a good median you know, where, uh, that I found that, it, you know, where I, where if I got all of those, it would be manageable. I had nine, uh, and I can tell you, uh, it was tough. Uh, but that, uh, at the same time I I can say that all I want, but that doesn't like, well, like the anxiety in in someone who's like applying to programs or where they're thinking, okay, you know, what if I just apply to just a, a few handful and I don't match Not that I don't match that I don't get in get interviews and now I'm stuck. So I, yeah, I can say that all I want. But you know, yeah, I I understand. Like when you're actually in the moment, that that doesn't help anybody. But that's just my two cents about it. You know, because I ended up with a, a few of these interviews, and you know, as they're coming in, obviously you want to accept them all, because uh, you don't know how many more you're going to get after after this one that you just got emailed about. Now you end up with a ton of interviews. It it's, it very much looks bad on you if you um, I I would say if you like take that interview, set a date with them and then later cancel on them, then it doesn't look too great unless you can word it very nicely. And so now you've got to go to all the, these interviews, my interviews, thankfully all except one were in state. Um, so travel costs weren't too much of a big thing, but I can tell you for sure that, you know, even beyond just travel costs, that's, that's time you're taking off a rotation for each one of these interviews. You know, like, like I said, like, most of these were like whole day interviews. They were six hours. So that's, you know, you that's at least one day that you're taking off of rotation and maybe a second if it's, you know, somewhere really far in state.
1: And I was going to ask, uh, which, do you know, do you remember which month they were mainly in? Because I, I, like you said earlier, I know, uh, I believe it's like usually the first week of January from what I saw from a lot of residencies. that they with the applications in, was it like mm-hmm. February, maybe February, March?
2: hmm yeah, the earlier places, I want to say, were starting interviews in, like, late January, and then the bulk of them were, like, in those first two weeks of
1: February. Okay, so um, for, yeah, for people listening, if you can to maybe maneuver your block around that, your block off, um, especially for, like, UF students, maybe it'd be best to try to get around them in January or February, especially if you're going to be applying to out-of-state places and you get interviews, so that way it's not a hassle for you to manage both. For sure, yeah.
2: I... I can't remember if, I don't know if they're still doing it, but my year at UF we had a a week off that was sort of like a spring break during rotations. Uh, Like, I think it was like the first week of February where it was like a spring break for some people. But if you were applying for residencies, the the UF intentionally put it during that time of year so that, you know, you had a week off where you could just, you know, knock out a lot of those interviews and schedule them during during that time. I don't know if we're still doing that, you will have to check that out for me, but, um, But yeah, just know that, um, you know, you might have that built in to your program. Um, and then if not, yeah, it it does help if you have your, uh, your block off somewhere around that time. Yeah. Like I was saying, you know, you might need one to two days off of rotation for every one of these interviews and, you know, I had nine interviews. So that's, I mean, that's like almost two weeks. Uh, I, I can tell you that I stayed late every single day on my, uh, my rotation at that time trying to make up those hours and it stuck i i had so <laughs> much ex, so much extra work to do because those preceptors can't technically just write off that time for you yeah um you've got to make you if they're nice they'll let you make it up uh but i've heard plenty of stories about preceptors who just straight up said no like you know you're like you can't go to that interview i want you on rotation and you can't fight that like they're technically the boss of you and the, if they say no you have to show up for rotation and you can't go to that interview, then that's that. Uh as as awful as that sounds. So so that's kind of where things get sticky, um, you know, with just having too many interviews. And that was and all of mine were in state except for one. Um yeah, so just imagine if you just did this shotgun approach and you applied to all of these out of state programs. Now you're looking at those scheduling conflicts but now also a lot of travel costs. Mm-hmm. So something to keep in mind.
1: Got it. And then, thank you for that. And then, um, for our last question, what is there anything looking back uh, that you wish you knew before you started your residency? Uh, you know, so much,
2: so much. I, so much of it, I just learned in the moment.
0: Yeah. That
2: I, I'm not sure if, how much would have helped <laughs> coming, <laughs> coming in. I, I would say, uh, I would say maybe the one thing personally that i struggled with and uh, i'm sure some residents struggle with is just transparency and communication i think i think my my pro- my program was uh was pretty challenging but honestly every program is is going to be pretty challenging it's it's not going to be a residency if it's not challenging you know i i was in touch with a lot of classmates who were also doing residency at the same time as me over the last year and we would all just get in a chat and and just vent, you know, about all the stuff we were going through. And I realized pretty quickly that, you know, everyone had a lot of work to do and everyone was under a lot of stress. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just something unique about my program. No matter where you go, it's going to be a certain level of difficult. But, um, I think the biggest thing that I, you know, I didn't realize until, you know, very late on in the year is that it's okay to voice that it's difficult or that you're you're having a hard time uh and the the number one thing is is if if that's what's going on with you to communicate that you know if you like I I I guess just you know from earlier stages in your life you get this this mindset that you know if like I'm I'm struggling if I got a lot of work to do in pharmacy school or if I'm behind or something you know I'm just gonna like keep my head down push through it um and just get it done you know because I have that deadline you know like our pharmacotherapy exam is next week. I gotta get this done. There's nothing I can do. But when but when you get to something like this, uh there are gonna be a lot of times where you just you just can't get it done. You <laughs> know you know, and my, my RPD, God bless him, is one of the smartest and you know, kindest people I know, talks a lot about about a lot with us about renegotiating deadlines and just voicing like, hey, you know, like I'm swamped, you know, like I'm drowning in work here. And, like can we can we move this deadline here, you know, if, is there any, any way you can help me or just voicing to people that, you know, you're having a hard time with something, with something, you know, is there any way that they can help you or just, you know, so just in general, admitting when you can't do something, you know, admitting when you're having a hard time or if you're falling behind and being very transparent about that, you know, the second some, a new assignment gets, gets dropped on you and saying, you know, like, okay, I've got this, this, and this to do just so that you're aware. Or, you know, I'm going to be late for this. Or, you know, I can't make this deadline. You know, tell them that two weeks in advance. People will understand. You know, I mean, people, I mean, there are all the preceptors that you can have during residency. Uh, they know how difficult this is. They'll understand. But you have to be transparent and you have to communicate that. And that was something that I learned, unfortunately, until, like, way into it. You know, you, you just come into this mindset. You come into it with this mindset of, you know, I just, I just got to get it done. Uh, you know, that's just yeah. how you were, that's just how you did things in the school and how you did things probably just in life in general before that. But that's, that's not how it works anymore when you have this kind of workload on your plate.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's interesting you say that because thinking back now on my, on my IPPE for the hospital, I remember a resident telling me that and that was, and we were just having a casual conversation and he was saying that that's one of the most important things you need to be able to do if you want to be a resident is be able to communicate in a professional manner that, Hey, I can, I can still do this. I can't just get it done at this timeline, at this date, Sure, that's something yeah. that you're going to have to be able to do because you're going to have projects on top of projects and you still have all these patients you got to take care of. There could be something immediate that happens. And now you have to be able to communicate how to push back that deadline. And so that's that's something that I found interesting that, that you mentioned that he also um, that resident also told me.
2: Yeah, so much so much of of residency is set up longitudinally. You know, you think if you think like every residency program has a major research project, and that re- research project is designed to be completed over the course of a year. You know, so many of the projects you're going to be doing are going to take several months to complete. And you're coming in with this mindset from school of you know like okay they give me an assignment it's due next week and they knock it out and it's done, but yeah that's not how this works anymore. So you come in, and we used to joke about this all the time me and my co-residents. who we were mm-hmm. like, we, you're coming in this program now and you work so hard every day, but well, you get nothing done. You well not that you get <laughs> nothing done, but you don't complete and you know you don't complete you don't, anything. You, don't, you,
1: you don't know, product, like you did something product. Right.
2: Yeah, we we would make this joke all the time. We were like, "I work so much, but I've I've finished nothing," you know. <laughs> but that's it's it's a uh, it's a marathon now, you know. Uh, when you're doing this, things are things are longitudinal. So you, you're gonna have to get used to that about working hard, you know, even harder than you did in pharmacy school. Not that hey, you have nothing to show for it, but that you know, you you still have a long way to go. You you really have to get used to that feeling. And in school, you're used to like, okay, I'm gonna work hard. Test is around the corner, I'm going to knock it out, and that's it. But it doesn't happen as fast as that anymore.
1: So it's, a, it's a whole different change of pace that I guess we'll have to get accustomed to since we're no longer students.
0: Um, Joe, did you have any further questions?
1: Mm, no, no, I didn't. He, well, I guess uh, if you want to share, it doesn't have to be exactly specific to uh, like any people or anything. Just I'm assuming the rotation you enjoyed the most on your residency was probably the emergency one. But just like what was the I guess the rotations you enjoyed the most and the ones you didn't and the ones you didn't like the most or didn't really enjoy, I guess I should say.
2: I don't know if there was anything I didn't enjoy. Our program was set up pretty nicely to give you a a broad range of experiences and things and a lot of things that I thought I wouldn't like initially, but I ended up kinda liking after the fact. Even things that, you know, are like so polar opposite from my interest you know like informatics was a required two-week rotation for us which you know it's just purely uh computer work which you know wouldn't you wouldn't think fits with like the the vibe of you know the, the hustle and pace of the er but i thought it was pretty cool when i did it you know just like sharpening like sharpening up my excel skills you know learning like how to how to run these reports, all the things that you can do just from behind the scenes, just how to make the pharmacy run, essentially, just from, you know, just from the, the informatics side of it. I I thought it was super cool. So nothing I I don't, I would say I didn't like. A lot of things I learned to appreciate. My, my uh, experiences were tailored a lot to acute care. One of my elective rotations was toxicology, uh, which I probably enjoyed the most. Um, it's just not something that that you you really that you really see as an offering um, even even in in residency uh to do as a rotation like a focused toxicology rotation uh there's a lot of ER rotations out there but not something just purely in toxicology so uh i found that super cool and and learning how to assess different toxidromes you know how to um, get to the bottom of, of toxic congestions, Expanding my knowledge of just, you know, not just toxin ingestions of just certain like xenobiotics as far as it goes, as far as it pertains to like drugs, but you know, how, what to do if someone comes in poisoned by a plant or like a snake bite.
1: And it's for
2: you. A yeah. Or, yeah. It or goes out into the ocean and gets stung by something. It was like, it was a very yeah. cool, yeah, it was very cool, expansive rotation. Got to interview. Uh, intoxicated patients coming into the ER independently try to figure out what they were on or overdose patients and try to just, you know see what I could do for them emergently Um and it just really I feel like fulfills the spirit of what ER practice is handling those kinds of situations so that was super fun for me shout out to Dr. Norman yeah. at University of Florida Daybat certified uh clinical toxicologist and, you know, one of our pride and joy professors. And, you know, he'll, he gives us that little intro into toxicology as a UF student. And uh, that was in the back of my head when I took that rotation. So yeah, I, that was definitely something special to me.
0: Awesome.
2: He's also one of our first podcast interviewees. So have to give Dr. Norman a little love.
1: Got to, got to. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think a interesting Point that you made is definitely like different maybe uh animal or i, sh- I guess I should say like a marine mammal attacks or something like that or because you're out by the water so it's like that's going to be a bit different than maybe if you're like in oklahoma or some some area that's more landlocked you're gonna have a different type of i guess accidents that can occur so toxicology different type of insects different type of animal bites and stuff like that or attacks that you might have to deal with so that's that's a good point as far as the poison like i didn't even think about that so that's kind of cool and interesting Probably all the stuff that you learned there.
0: Yeah, so I get that yeah, he, to that, Jeff. Sorry to cut you off. Can I put you down as an emergency contact?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. You know, it's cool. Yeah, you you wouldn't think that a the pharmacist is someone who'd be handling a lot of that. But I mean if you're the expert in that, whether you're you're daybat certified or not, if you if you're you know, if if you know about that, you have so much to contribute to the team, even even for an ER team who might see that stuff a lot knowing all the pharmacotherapy behind it is huge. Um, You're really valuable to the team uh, if you know about that kind of stuff, because it's not every day that you see it. um, And having someone as part of the team who knows exactly what to do when these things come in
1: urgently, that's really big. Got it. So thank you so much for for being on here. Do you have any any questions for us that you want to ask us? I'm good. Just thank
2: you for having me on. Um, Really be glad to, you know, um, finally, be back, uh, on my own podcast this time and again. <laughs> I was,
1: uh, a <laughs> legend.
2: Yeah. I think I was, uh, originally the very first, uh, interviewee that we had on the podcast, our very first episode. I can't, I don't know where it is now or how widely we ever published it. It was recorded in my, in my bedroom, uh, <laughs> and in student housing across from UCF, uh, and you know, and just like, Mm-hmm. Next to my tra- next to my trash can with a little dinky microphone um and that was our first podcast ever so nice to nice to be back this time in a more official manner and just see where the podcast has gone. Thank you guys.
1: No oh, thank you, thank you so much um for for you and Brandon, of course for reaching out and allowing me to be a part of this and then for Sean for being willing to be hop on and help us and Riley, too. She was helping us a lot in uh, season three, so thank you guys um for allowing us this opportunity. And then just to, to wrap up uh, Jeff's master plan, this is what we're going to call this episode. So, uh, thank, thank you for that. Just to wrap up. First thing that I got walking away from this was to be proactive. So definitely look at that A- ASHP timeline. Look at that, kind of cater your, um, your process to that, follow that timeline. Second thing, the biggest challenge that you'll probably go through is having to narrow down residencies. So definitely take, take the time out now. If maybe you're on a free rotation or even if you're not even in your fourth year, if you're in your third year, maybe start taking a look at some of these different residencies and seeing the different things that they offer and uh, maybe start like an Excel sheet or a word doc and kind of keep a list of things going on about the ones you liked and what you did, you did and didn't like about what you just saw about the program. Third, uh, don't go to mid-year. Just, just,
2: just, Uh, they're gonna cancel my SAP membership. Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. they're,
1: gonna, they're gonna get you out of here. So now <laughs> you that, um, definitely go to mid year. highly recommend it if, if you're someone that has research, has a project that you wanna present. And then also, if you're unsure about where you wanna go, that's a great opportunity for you to go ahead and meet the other, all the, the vast wide residency programs that are present there if you kind of get a feel and talk to all the different res- residents that are there in person. Fourth thing, uh, he highly recommends that even though he doesn't do it so definitely go ahead and do your LinkedIn, get it, get it work up, make it look nice. Yeah. <laughs> and add, and add me. Yeah. And add, and add Jeff, add, add Joe well and add Sean <laughs> add all of us. And, um, the fifth thing is if you can try to get your clinical rotations early, try to get it before, uh, um, you have to turn in everything. Should be around probably December or January. A lot of residencies are going to want um, applications to be turned in, so try to get that. Try to get those clinical rotations early to help prepare you for for your residency interviews and your residency, and also to get those letter recommendations. And so that goes into the the next thing as far as that letter recommendations. He, Jeff definitely recommended that you guys try to get more than three. Try to co- he collected five. Maybe you guys want to collect around five or six and have them for different type of scenario. So if you're still undecided, maybe you're going to apply to a more Amcare-based residency, then maybe it'd be nice to get a letter rec from your Amcare preceptor. Or if you want to do something that's more oncology, maybe if you did an oncology rotation, have that in the pocket as well. And another thing, the seventh thing that Jeff definitely was recommended is, which is probably the most important thing, is to, when you're on your rotations, to definitely, definitely ask how you can be of service. When you're on your appies, try to figure out how you can benefit them, and even in your res- residency interviews, see what they're lacking. See how you can how you can help improve that pharmacy by being a resident or by being a student on rotations, and that can help you go a long way as far as maybe some projects that will that will help guide you and prepare you for a residency interview, and then also help anybody that wants to write a letter of recommendation about you. They can see your genuine interest and how hard you worked and how well you worked um, as a student under them. And then the next thing I have on here is definitely the interview process. Be prepared because it could be about six hours. It's an all day thing. If you have a lot of different interviews you're going to, that it could be very difficult because you're going to have to travel to them. And if you're on rotations around that time, that could also be an issue. So if you can try to get um, maybe the January, seems like it's around the end of January or early February. So if you can try to get that time off, Don't try not to have that, a rotation during that time. So you'll be able to travel wherever you need to go. And then also just make sure you know your fundamentals go over your core disease states. I'm, just, I'm assuming the RX prep book would definitely help you with that, but also reach out to your preceptors, see if they can um, help prepare you for that for any residency interviews. So just a couple that um, he mentioned was definitely heart failure, uh, community acquired pneumonia, make sure you know your cap diabetes, of course VTE. So just make sure you brush up over those topics just in case there's a clinical exam that you have to prepare for. And last but not least, When it comes to the match process, it's about the vibe. So do you connect with this place? Do you enjoy being with these pharmacists, these residents? Can you see yourself there? Can you see yourself in that city? Because at the end of the day, yes, it's going to be a a taxing process. It's going to be, like you said, it's longitudinal. So you're going to be there working a lot, doing a lot of different things. But at the same time, you're still going to have to enjoy your life outside of pharmacy. And there's going to be times where you want to take away. And if you don't enjoy the city, that can be a problem. If, you, if they don't um, if they don't do things that are fun within the pharmacy, within the workplace, if you don't like the people that you're working with, you're going to hate your experience and that might show in your work. So just be conscious about the vibe. And also, um, I guess the 11th thing would be, admit if you can't complete something. Be open and willing to talk to your preceptors. This isn't, you're not a student anymore, a deadline is not final. Um, so definitely be open and being willing to communicate with your preceptors that, hey, um, in a professional manner, of course, that, hey, maybe I can't finish it by this date. Can we extend it by a week or two? Or maybe you can help me figure out how to maneuver my time in order to meet this deadline. So um, those were the things that I walked away with. So I want to say thank you so much, Jeff, for giving us the knowledge to your master plan. So now we're all, everybody listening is going to get about 10. Uh, they're going to get accepted to 10 different uh, interviews.
2: <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope so, man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Just because of this. And Hopefully, um, we, can, we can get him on and we can do another episode to t- kind of talk about like questions, what questions to ask. it probably be a shorter episode than this one. But um, definitely, definitely something that would be beneficial to anybody that's pursuing a residency. And I'm sure you can take some of this and also apply it to anybody, to anybody that wants to do a fellowship. I'm sure you can take some of these tips that he provided us and you can apply it to, to that realm as well. For sure. So, Jeff, you're a legend. Obviously, anybody that listens to Caps Production Podcast loves you. <laughs> so you always welcome <laughs> to come back, and uh, we wish you the best of luck. Everything going forward, um, hopefully, you know, if you decide to apply to a PGY two, we definitely hope you get it. You got our support and everything that you do. So you know, always feel free to reach out if you just want to hop on and just talk. You know, we can all that. Um, the After
2: Dark episode,
1: you- yes, yes. The Red Table <laughs> Talk.
2: <after laughs>
1: um, so, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't say thank you enough. We, I, you know, I personally adore you. I love you. And uh, we definitely like having you on here. So thank you so much for being on. Thanks, guys. All love. Appreciate you for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Capsule Production Podcast. If you enjoyed our episode today, please be sure to subscribe and look out for new episodes. Until next time.